Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ advocate, and this week a Trello and Evernote business tool user. Thanks to Kara Harvey, who's the purpose driven mom. You can go back to episode 37 if you want some inspiration. Awesome. And I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot 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 writer, foster care advocate, and today birthday weekend planner for my husband who always gets overlooked in the Halloween hubbub. Oh, fun. So I'm trying to not overlook his birthday this year. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and we are so happy today to have Catherine Winch of Slay Like a Mother with us. Catherine dedicates her life to making the lives of mothers easier. So good. In her role as founder and CEO of the Mom Complex, she helps the largest companies in the world, such as Walmart, Johnson & Johnson, and Airbnb better understand and support their mom customers and employees. In her latest venture, Catherine combines 10 plus years of groundbreaking research on motherhood with her own personal journey in her popular book, Slay Like a Mother. Suzanne is holding it up for our YouTube viewers. <laughs> Parade Magazine recently named Slay Like a Mother one of the top 10 life-changing self-help books of the year. And Catherine's research has been featured by the Today Show, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Fast Company. She is a recipient of the Working Mother of the Year Award by the Advertising Women of New York and the Outstanding Woman Award from the YWCA, and most recently, Woman of the Decade Award from the Women's Economic Forum in India. So welcome, Catherine. We're so happy you're here today. Thank you for having me. I am grateful to have the opportunity to talk about this stuff. And now before we dive in, we've gone through Mm -hmm. your bio, but can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and the road that led you to all the wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I um, grew up in a very loving, supportive household, but didn't always feel that love inside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I would say that my upbringing, that I spent 20 years of my life um, from age 15 to 35 with what I refer to as a dragon of self-doubt, deep Mm -hmm. inside my soul that no matter what I achieved, what I accomplished, I never felt good enough, thin enough, nice enough, patient enough, accomplished enough, whatever enough. Yeah. And um, so I had the trappings of success on the outside, but I was fairly hollow on the inside, I will say. Mm -hmm. But I went to lots of therapy. I'm a huge advocate of therapy and um, drank lots of red wine, watched lots of Oprah episodes, (laughs) read lots of (laughs) self-help books. And I finally learned to love myself from the inside out and not rely on it, um, you know, from other people. So that was a pretty massive shift in my life. I'm 44 now that happened at 35 and much, much, much happier now. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. Thank goodness for Oprah. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, I think between Oprah and some of her regular guests, mm-hmm. um, who's the life coach? My brain has left the building. Um, Martha Beck was oh, a Martha yes. Beck. Yes. Yes. Um, like yeah. I think they changed a lot of women's lives. So 
Thank you. No doubt. I was just quoting um, another one of Oprah's gurus is Ianla Van Sant. Mm -hmm. And she had this quote. I went to one of Oprah's conferences and Ianla was presenting. And this quote she put on the screen said that the life you want is just on the other side of the labor pains it will take to birth it. And it was so Mm -hmm. beautiful. And it was the first time that it really registered with me that I could change my life. I could live a different life, but I would have to go through some pain and I would have to go through some hard work and I would have to have some hard conversations with myself, with other people. And yeah, and I used to watch Oprah's episodes late at night after the kids had gone to bed and my husband would come downstairs and I would just be crying on the couch. Yes. And like, oh my God, what's happening in here? I'm going back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so alarmed. But I was like, I'm healing. It's okay. <laughs> I'm healing. Don't mind me. I'm just healing over yeah, here. Really, I'm healing. It's good. It's good. They're good tears. All the husbands are like, why do you do this to yourselves? Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. very overwhelming to the husbands for yes. sure. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh, well, you've already touched on this a little bit, but talking about this mean dragon, this inner voice who's so nasty and your research actually says that nine out of 10 moms, that's huge, live with frequent or constant self-doubt and they have a negative inner voice that they describe as the meanest mean girl. So how do we start getting a hold of that and separating that mean girl voice from the truth and learn how to ignore her if not completely shut her up. Yeah. Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to hear the voice. And so many of us are just walking through life, yelling at ourselves, annihilating ourselves. You know, you're fat, you're ugly. It's miracle people like you. I mean, all of this rhetoric that runs through our minds Mm -hmm. and we don't even know it's happening. And so, you know, I always recommend take out a post-it note, a, a pen. And when you hear that negative voice say something, just write it down. And my therapist had me do that many years ago. And she asked me to write down the last terrible thing that I said to myself. And I thought it, you know, took me two seconds. And I wrote down, you are a poor excuse for a strong woman. And there was something really magical about seeing that statement in my own handwriting. So the first step is you have to hear it. And the Mm -hmm. second step is it has to get outside of the inside of your body, meaning write Mm -hmm. it on a piece of paper is the first step. Then you can say it out loud. Like, guess what I said to myself? (laughs) And you have to own this voice because if you just ignore it or you're blind to it, of course, you'll never be able to, you know, to help it go away. Mm -hmm. And so awareness is job number one. And then once you start to hear it and you're making these notes, eventually it is a practice, but you can basically teach it some manners. And I'll give you a a quick, a quick example. So um, I like to ride the Peloton bike. And back when one traveled, I was at a hotel for a business meeting. They had a Peloton bike in the hotel gym. So I'm in the gym and I do my workout on the bike. And at the end, I'm stretching and my hands are rested on the top of my backside. And I grab what feels like two handfuls of cellulite. And the negative voice in my head says, oh my gosh, what must that look like? And, you know, I'm looking around. Can anybody see my cellulite? Can they see it? And so first of all, I heard it. I heard the voice say, what must that look like? And I said, I'm going to teach this voice some manners. And so I took a deep breath and I said, what this looks like is that I got my ass out of bed and I put it on a bike. That's what this looks like. And so you really.
really can have the last word. You can teach it some manners, but again, it requires hearing it in the first place and admitting it. Oh, so you have on your website and we'll, we'll put it in our show notes, a video. It's like a three minute video of women kind of going through this exercise and then sharing with another woman what their mean voice told them to write down. And I told Suzanne, I cried while watching it. It was so moving. And so I don't want to watch it now because I don't want to cry during our interview, but I highly (laughs) recommend that people go find it and we will link to it because it's really powerful. And then hearing you talk about it in terms of teaching it manners Mm -hmm. is that's huge, huge. And it was really powerful for those women, you know, these women, as your listeners will see when they watch it, they didn't know what they were doing. They showed up, it was blind. And we asked them to impromptu, write down the last terrible thing you said to yourself. And now you have to read it to a stranger. And there were a lot of men that were working on the set that day. The director was a woman, but a lot of men were there and they knew the premise of it. And one of the men said to me, you know, Catherine, how do you know that these women that you don't even know are going to have terrible things to say about themselves? What if they show up and they're like, I'm beautiful. And, you know, and I was like, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> no, Is you're it, silly, it, silly it, man. It like, Aren't you going to waste a lot of money if all these ladies just show up and they just love themselves? And I was like, Oh, that's not, I have no concern that that is going to be the case, but it was really powerful for those women to own it and to say it out loud. And, um, yeah, it's a really moving moment. Oh, that's oh amazing. Gosh. Yeah. And so, okay. So I'm, I'm kind of a nuts and bolts kind of person. So you write it down. Like, mm-hmm. is this something that you collect to see where you've grown from or do you like light them on fire in a ceremonial airing of the grievances like what is the what how do you take that then the next day and the next day after that yeah i mean for i think it depends on the individual but for me you know i have a journal and i'm not a big journaler i mean you know it's not a lot of prose it's not that long but I would just, you know, write every once in a while, just the statement on a page another day, just the statement on a page and really let it sit in this like stark environment, you know, mm-hmm. by itself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did want it over time. And I can look back on my journals and I can see, oh, yeah, that's when I'm, I was trying to get that promotion at work and I thought I sucked. Or mm-hmm. that's when I didn't know how to be the mother to a teenager. And I was, you know, telling myself that I suck. And so... It's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be great for me now to go back and look and see how far I've come and I don't treat myself that way anymore. So I think it's nice to have it or it doesn't have to be a journal. Not everybody's into that. You could use like the notes app in your phone, Mm -hmm. you know, just like get it out quickly, get it down quickly. And I would keep it in some format that you can go back to it. Um, And again, realize how far you've come when you start to make progress and you don't say that crap to yourself anymore. Yeah, I love that. Oh, well, I'm, you know, knowing that women are saying these things to themselves day in and day out, and this chronic self-doubt really, I think, can almost train you not to trust yourself and your own inner voices Mm -hmm. and your gut instincts. And you start to really question that. And so we'd love to hear how you've helped women reconnect with that inner truth to really understand our core values and determine priorities. And I've just got to read this quote from your book because I was telling Missy, I seriously could just highlight the whole book. Um, (laughs) 
But I just, I, in particular, I think this sums up so much, but as mothers, we often don't understand ourselves well enough to know what we should be loving and protecting beyond our children or families. In its simplest form, my path to freedom from self-doubt boiled down to knowing myself, loving myself, and protecting myself. The problem is that too many of us have been skipping the first step. So this idea of knowing ourselves and knowing that the person that we think is ourself is really the self we think it is because of this ongoing <laughs> self-doubt that that mean voice in our head can have over time. So just would love to hear how that's played out for you and, and people that you work with. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, in school, we studied, you know, math and science and the arts and the weather and we study everything. We don't study ourselves. We know nothing about ourselves at all. You know, mm -hmm. I see mothers all the time. They know everything, like you were just saying, their kids like to eat. And it's like, well, what do you want to eat? And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. And um, I remember people used to ask me like, well, what do you do for fun? And I was like, what? Like fun, mm -hmm. you know, I am either working my ass off, drinking or sleeping. I mean, you know, it was just <laughs> there was no other, like, I just couldn't imagine like fun. So I will say self-help books, I think are a wonderful avenue into learning about yourself. Certainly say like a mother, you know, you make it through my book and you're going to learn a lot about yourself and be forced to write down these exercises and answer these really hard questions. And I'll give you an example from, you know, if you're not ready to jump into a whole book, Martha Beck, who we were just mentioning, who was Oprah's mm -hmm. life coach. One of the books that changed my life that I read from her is called Finding Your Own North Star. Mm -hmm. And so this is an exercise that Martha shares that you can just do today. And, you know, you don't even have to read a book. And that is you take a piece of paper and you draw a line down the center. And on the left-hand side of the page, you make a list of all the activities in your life that really drain you, that just mm -hmm. kind of zap your soul. They make you really, you know, email is on the left-hand side of my page. I hate emails. I hate <laughs> reading them. I hate writing them. They weigh me down, you know, not fun for me. And then on the right-hand side of the page, what activities in your life fill you with joy and, um, and be really specific, not just spending time with my children or, mm -hmm. you know, just be really specific. It's when I play tennis, it's when I play a puzzle with my son, mm -hmm. or it can be work-related. It doesn't have to be. But that sheer act of like what depletes you and what energizes you is most of for the women that I work with the first time they've ever contemplated that. And then the way to make it really actionable, if you want to start protecting yourself after you've learned about yourself, is you take those activities on the right and you put them on your calendar, not all of them. Pick the top three and put them on your calendar as reoccurring meetings. So for example, if you love yoga and you feel very centered when you do yoga, but you never make time to do it, then go to your calendar and put every Tuesday morning for 30 minutes from 8 to 8.30, I'm going to do yoga. But the critical step is that it is a reoccurring meeting. It's every mm. single Tuesday. So that the willpower that you need to do yoga because you know it energizes you or fulfills you, you only have to muster up the willpower one time to say, this is important to me. And um, what I do on my calendar to this day, anything that's in this vein that re-energizes me, refuels me, I color code it in dark purple. 
on my calendar. And the reason that I do that is because if I show up to a Monday and I look at my week in a glance and there's not enough purple on my calendar, it means there's a problem. And it means that I am falling back into my old ways of believing that other people deserve my time more than I do. Because that's what we believe. When you give all of your time away to other people, and you save nothing for yourself, it means fundamentally that you believe they deserve your time more than you do. And that is not a healthy way to live. And so the purple is a beautiful thing in my life. Yeah, I love that so much. What I'm an easy, it. yes. And I really like purple as well. So I think yeah. I'm even going with purple. Like, <laughs> And I call it, you know, the calendar you can like, I don't know what calendars everybody uses, but the one I use, you can color code it and then you can name that category. And I just call it my mojo time. And it's really beautiful. And there's sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's in the evening, but again, it's always reoccurring. And what I have found is that all the other crap in my life, the dentist appointments, the getting the dog groomed, the, the meetings, the life, the mm-hmm. everything, it still fits. It still fits. Mm-hmm. But I show up there first because I book it out like it's a year, you know, at a time. And right. so people think that the self-care is, is selfish, but, but I guarantee you, I have so much more now to give away to other people because I'm taking care of myself. I love that. You know, I was just telling Missy that I was going through my old pictures and saw from your mom to presentation. It was 2018, I think. Um, And I just remember coming out of that session, like going, I need to follow everything she does. I think it's all so amazing. (laughs) But it was the first time, and I've heard this a few other places, but it was the first time I ever heard this theory about that self-care time and the time for yourself as the big rocks versus the sand and how the big rocks are really the things that feed you and that bring you energy and that you know, are really your time. And the sand is all these little have to do's to take in the car, the shop, taking the dog, you know, gets hair done. Um, and the fact that if you put all your sand in your glass first, then the rocks can never fit. get in those rocks in. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you put all the rocks in first, the sand then um, can fill in the blanks and everybody can fit in there. You can get everything done. Well, not everything done, but <laughs> I think the other thing that you'll learn, you know, as you do this more and more is that People don't care about you as much as you think they care about you. And so, you know, somebody comes to you and says, you know, oh, Missy, can you do this at 10 o'clock on Tuesday? And you go, no, but I can do it at 11. And they go, okay. Or can you volunteer for this big event at school? And you say, no, I can't. This month is like really hard for me and I can't do it. What do they say? They go, okay. Okay. And they go find somebody else. And so, you know, we live in so much fear of disappointing people, of letting them down. But the more you say no, the more you step away from obligations that don't fulfill you, you realize really quickly that the world keeps spinning and and everything keeps going. And we're not quite as important as we like to think that we are. Mm. I think that's, you're tying into something that I wanted to talk about a little bit I really take in that external stuff. I don't just have my own inner mean girl. I assume that lots of other people are also mean girls or men or whatever the case may be. And I will take a a message wrong, I think, or I'll hear it incorrectly when someone says to me things like, 
oh, you're still writing that book. I hear it as you're never going to finish that book. You're not capable of it. Or, oh, you can't, you can't volunteer for that. It, I hear it in the mean girl voice. It's like, oh, you can't, are you sure? <laughs> and so do you have like tips or tricks to address that outside voice? You've talked about it a little bit already, yeah. just practicing saying yeah. no, but what else can we do? Well, um, I love your honesty there. And I will tell you in a very blunt way that that you are the problem in those scenarios and that you're never going to get rid of the external like reverb. I mean, people, when they want you to do something, if you say no, or they think you should write the book faster, like that's never going to change. You're never going to be able to make people not say things like that to you. And right. you die trying, you know? And so <laughs> what you have to change is how you receive it. And what you're describing is like a filter that it goes through right in front of your face. Like, they're just like, oh, you're still working on that. That's a fact. They're just saying, oh, you're still working on that. And you hear, right. why are you so slow? And so, you know, once mm -hmm. you are more confident about what you're doing and less critical of how you're doing it or how long that you're taking to do it, that filter will go away and you will just hear people say what they're actually just saying. And it won't be, there's like a translator <laughs> in yes. this, you know, the, what someone is saying and what you are hearing. And I think we can take a cue from men here. Men don't do this. I mean, no, I'm generalizing, but you know what I mean? Like my husband says, does not do this. No, neither no. does mine. Somebody says, you're still writing that book. Yep. I mean, he would just go, yes, I am. And he would even think, and I'm writing a damn book. So yeah. And it's it. really good. <laughs> he wouldn't care. I mean, and then I'll say, did you hear the way that person said? So? And he's like, they didn't say it like that, Catherine. And so I mean this in the best way. Like you are the problem and you yeah. are easier to fix because it's you than trying to fix everybody else or trying to, you know, wear this armor so that you don't get hurt. And to just throw a different metaphor in there in case it's helpful. I think it's like being a sailboat and not having a rudder. Uh, so if you don't have a rudder as a sailboat, right? The wind blows and you're just like, whoa, oh, they said mm -hmm. I'm slow. Oh, they said I'm fat. Oh, they said, you know, and every wind that comes your way, you just get toppled over. And that's an exhausting way to live. I've lived that way for 20 years. But the more I grew to like myself, to respect myself, to love myself, the rudder on my sailboat got really, really deep so that now the winds still blow just like they do in all of our lives, but it doesn't make me nauseous. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's I'm like Dramamine. Not, yeah. Like, that's. That is, you know, a very whiplash way to live. And so once you gain more confidence in what you're doing and look at the good things of what you're doing, I'm writing a book. I mean, how many people can say that? That's heroic. It's amazing. So, yeah, it'll it'll just be um, and I'll give you an example. My son's a big soccer player. My husband goes to more of his games than I do because we kind of divide and conquer a lot. Mm -hmm. And I showed up to a game a few weeks ago and, and one of the dads was like, well, haven't seen you here in a while. You know, mm -hmm. and normally I would have been like, oh, he's so right. I'm a terrible mother and I'm never mm -hmm. around him. But I just went, well, I'm here now. And, and it didn't stick to me. And again, he was just stating a fact. I haven't seen you here in a while. He was probably happy to see me. He wasn't judging me. <laughs> 
but it was and such, if he is who cares that's the right? other thing like, i'm trying I to like, look at they mom. are judging like who cares yeah. yeah and i think i'm a good mother and you know sitting on the sideline of every single soccer game doesn't make me a good mother i'm a good mother in a lot of other ways and so mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful to not stick to you yeah. <sighs> I, that you old it. like you can do it bounces off me mm-hmm. then sticks mm-hmm. To you, that what was that thing no. we used to say as kids? Rubber yeah, glue, you, but I, I kind of want to. Yeah, I kind of want to embrace the like it. It doesn't yeah. have to stick to me. Doesn't I'm have- coated in Teflon, and yeah, yeah. It's beautiful to think that you're the problem. Like that is so freeing to me. Like that it is it, so it, freeing. Great. Let me change me. Yes. Yeah, and allows us to love others in a better way. I think too. Yeah, yeah, because and have better not- assumptions about other people's intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Or not care about their intentions because right. their intentions aren't your problem, really. <laughs> I just go on with my day and use my brain power and my emotional strengths in other ways. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Oh, I know. Focus. We need, we need like those horse blinders. Just like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. but so we love the work that you are doing through the mom complex. And I think it's so important, the the voice and understanding that you are bringing to these big corporations to understand and and care about what, what moms think. So would really love for people who aren't as familiar with what the mom complex is, if you can give an overview and then would love to hear some of your favorite aha moments that you've had while opening the eyes, whether from the moms, kind of like you see from interviewing moms or from corporations who are like, oh, I didn't understand that. Yeah, so we are a consulting company and we help um, really large companies come up with better products and services for mothers. And we do that through research. So if we're working with Walmart, we're studying the way women shop and buy groceries and what they want, what they don't want. If we're working with product manufacturer, how moms, you know, put on makeup, how they wear it, how they think about it, what they want to buy. And so it's a lot of research and it's a lot of fun. And it's kind of easy in the sense that we just go and speak the truth to these companies about how hard it is to be a mother. And most of these people, our clients, are used to seeing kind of airy, very fluffy research about moms. It's like moms Mm -hmm. want the best for their children. They want to eat healthy meals. And there's just no teeth in it, you know, where we come mm-hmm. in and we're like, moms are exhausted. They're overwhelmed. They're, you know, ordering takeout three nights a week. Yeah. And we just tell it like it is. And I think it's so eye-opening to these companies who have had such rose-colored glasses on mm-hmm. when it comes to, I mean, they think we're all June Cleaver and, you know, we love nothing more than baking and cleaning. And it's, <laughs> um, you know, it often feels like the 1950s. Yes, And so um, it's it's easy and it's rewarding in that sense. And we had an executive one time that um, we were doing, revealing a lot of research about mothers. And he got rather emotional during the presentation, left the room and he came back at the end. And of course I was nervous. I was like, oh, we're going to get fired. <laughs> you know, why would he leave in the middle of the presentation? And he came back in and he said, Catherine, I had no idea how hard it is to be a mother. And if I had known, I would have been a better son and a better father. And, you know, and I thought, wow, like it was so eye-opening that in his own life, he had not realized it, you know, with his own mother, with his wife. And he said, I'm going to go home and buy my wife a massage, like right away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And 
I've had a lot of aha moments like that where it's empathy building and we can see men in particular gain a lot of empathy because, you know, as women, we keep this stuff to ourselves and we act like everything's great and we act like everything's perfect and we don't often reveal our struggles. And so it's so eye-opening and wonderful. And then just a quick product or service example. So many years ago, we worked with Walmart in the UK and we were studying the way women shop and mothers shop. And what we realized, which is so obvious, but had never occurred to us before, is the pain point of a mother putting an infant car seat on the top of a shopping cart and trying to navigate. So you completely block your line of sight. You can't see anything in front of you. You know, it's above your head practically. And so we helped them come up with the idea that for parents with young children, that there was a different style shopping cart that was lower and wider so that you could put the infant car seat on top of it and have a more enjoyable shopping experience. But you just don't see a lot of that empathetic Mm. outreach to say, we understand that shopping with a young child is challenging and we want to make this easier for you. But it was all through researching mothers and them opening up and being honest with us about how painful it is. So that was a fun right. project. Oh, and I'm sure very appreciated by all those shoppers. <laughs> as well. I wish I had had that when I was blindly going through the stores. I mm-hmm. hated shopping with my I littles. Know. Hated it for a number of reasons. I um, but I feel a like that's flashback. a yeah, yeah. That's a thing that could have been at least a little more enjoyable. Yeah. Yep. So, what does that research process look like with the moms? I know there was the video that Missy was referring to with, you know, all sitting in the room, but like, uh, what does that really look like when a company comes to you, has this question or has a product? So, do you have a set group of moms that you go to, or is it based on particular needs? Is it geographical? Like, what does that look like for y'all? The moms are definitely based on a particular need because a client might want to study third trimester pregnant millennial women because they're Mm -hmm. a hospital chain Mm -hmm. or it might be mothers who are caring for their own mothers you know they're aging seniors and so we have to keep that pretty flexible Mm -hmm. and then there's two main research methodologies it's all qualitative research that we do and the two main tools are one we don't believe in focus groups of getting you know eight strange moms who don't know each other and you put them in this like lab rat like facility and and they all just lie all the moms show up and they're like oh my goodness exactly three meals a day my husband's really helpful you know everybody just lies and you get the same research that I was mentioning before that we don't want to deliver so we throw opinion parties instead and that's where it's six to eight mothers but they all already know each other And so the guard comes down, there's no posturing involved and, um, and we'll do a whole bunch of them. It's not like we just interviewed six women, but they all, they call each other on things. You know, if somebody's like, oh, we're really healthy. And then, you know, another mom's like, what are you talking about? You can take out (laughs) every other day. And so it's just the truth comes out a lot faster and it's more comfortable for the, the women. So that's one tool we use a lot. And the other is we have a research app that will ask like around 40 women all across the country, moms, to download on their phone for seven days. And we are just hitting them with activities and exercises and videos. So let's say we were doing something for like a cosmetic company. It would be, you know, take pictures, you know, under your vanity of all your makeup. You're like makeup graveyard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to throw away and you overspend. And, mm-hmm. and then- 
you know, submit selfie videos of how you feel putting on makeup or what you wish you knew. And this, similar to the opinion parties, the methodology that we use is designed to prevent posturing. So they're not in a group environment and they're going to be really raw and really, you know, frank about things. And we're also, it's not a survey where we're just asking them to recall in this very clinical you know, we want to see the videos. We want to see the tears. We want to see the frustration. And so those are the two tools that we use the most frequently. That's so I, innovative. That's, I want to have opinion parties. I know. <laughs> and they're fun too. <laughs> and the other thing I'll say about opinion parties that are different than focus groups, which we really fought against was, you know, in a traditional focus group facility, the clients are watching behind like a uh-huh. one-way mirror. Yeah. And it's really bizarre to me that this like your voyeurs, like you're back there and you're like eating M&Ms and you're watching <laughs> yes. these women. I have been one of those people well, before and it is it is bizarre on the other side. It's not natural. Yeah. It's not natural. Yeah. It's not normal to me. When I started doing them in the beginning of my career, I was like, nobody's saying this is weird. And so a lot of times with our clients, you know, if it's Johnson and Johnson's money, we will have opinion parties and at times invite the clients into the room. Like, let's be together and let's tell these women that you're trying to help them. And what should you hear? And you can ask questions too, instead of passing everything through the the moderator. It was such an unnatural environment for Mm -hmm. people that are trying to help these women to not be in contact with them was so strange to me. And it's really hard to dodge the reality of what you hear if you're in the room with somebody. Right. Like it makes it, everybody is having a more honest experience. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I love it. My next family gathering is going to be an opinion party. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pre- yeah. We're going to pretend we're doing research. Yes. <laughs> There's always something to learn. Always. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, do, if listeners are like, Ooh, I'd like to be involved in that or whatever. Do, is it someplace where people can sign up to be involved in an upcoming party? Like, how do you, how do you filter those people? Yeah, absolutely. You could go to our website, momcomplex.com and um, send us an email. And we have a a database that we call our Maverick Moms. And that's where we pull from for opinion parties or, um, you know, sometimes we do private Facebook groups around that. So you can reach out to us even on social media at the Mom Complex on Facebook and Instagram, and we can sign you up. Very cool. Cool. And now, since uh, a lot of our listeners are stay at home moms. Um, mm-hmm. So I think all moms kind of face probably 80% of the same battles, maybe even 90% of the same battles, but yeah. there are some unique elements to that. I'm just really curious if you're seeing any trends through the research that you've done in particular that stay-at-home moms are facing, especially maybe around maybe some moms that weren't uh, intending to be stay-at-home moms, but due to COVID now are. And just really curious what you're seeing in the mindset of women out there um, facing these challenges at home. Yeah, I think unfortunately in our country, stay-at-home moms are undervalued and underappreciated mm-hmm. and under-respected. And I think sure. that when we interview stay-at-home moms, they you know, often think they have the greatest guilt because, or self-doubt because they're not you know, financially earning for their family and everybody at the mm-hmm. cocktail parties. The first question in the United States of America is, what do you do for a living? My husband mm-hmm. is from Switzerland. And when we go to Switzerland, no one ever asks what I do. 
ever. Yes. It is never a topic of conversation. I'm always like, what I do they ask it? They're like, what do you do for fun? Have you been hiking lately? Like, it's all like outdoorsy. It's like who you are as a human instead mm-hmm. of your occupation is is maybe 20% of your identity there, where I feel like in the United States, it's it's much higher. Yeah. But a stay-at-home mom will often think that they have the greatest, you know, doubt and and guilt, but it's it's equal on the working mom side because they're like, well, I'm never home and I can't, I don't know how to have, you know, boundaries and say no to my boss. So it it runs deep, but I think that kind of like Missy, what we were talking about, that filter, I think for a lot of stay-at-home moms, what I see in my research is they're adding an extra layer of filter of judgment mm-hmm. that Sometimes is there, but a lot of times is not. You know, if someone says, what do you do for a living? It's kind of just a default. We don't know what else to say in we this country know. to get yeah. to know someone. Yeah. Where I think that is received as a slight. It is received as, oh, now I have to work myself back up in your esteem, mm-hmm. you know. And so I do think it takes an extra dose of pride for stay-at-home mothers to really own it and say, mm-hmm. I'm proud of this. This is what I love doing. And you're seeing more and more of it. Like I see women on their LinkedIn profiles now are just owning it mm-hmm. and putting it out there. And I hope we can get further along in our society. But again, that's external and it's very hard to change that. And if we can be proud of what we are choosing to do with our time and what's best for your family, then that rudder gets deeper and you care less about what other people think about your choices. I love that. I was just looking behind me to see if I had Lisa Stromberg's uh, Work, Pause, Thrive book because she, when we interviewed her, brought up a similar idea of just owning it and just this idea. And I, I said, I said, I feel like I really did it not a disservice to my daughter, but I, I spent so much time second guessing, like, should I be home? Should I not? Whereas if I had just, just soak in it, claim it, own it and enjoy it and just be like, yeah, this is amazing that I have the gift of this time. And just, it's kind of this idea of like, okay, when you schedule a nap, you can really enjoy that nap. You don't have to be guilty about taking the rest or whatever, because that was what that time was intended for. Not that staying at home with your kids is anywhere even close to a nap, but the idea that this is, and I think maybe that's where it might be harder for some of the moms who, or dads who are home due to COVID and circumstances Mm. that were not their choice because you didn't get to have that ownership of the decision Mm -hmm. or the ownership of where your life is right now. So that might be a little more complicated, but um, like in my case, I did have the luxury of making that choice and it was very conscious decision. And I really wish that I had just lived in it and just really just been like, this is amazing. Yay me. <laughs> the other thing I'll say about, you know, we talked about the calendar and the purple. I think it's almost more important for stay-at-home moms mm. because you're with your children all day and it's a pretty thankless job, you know, from your spouse, from your partner, from your children. And so you don't get a lot of atta girls. You don't get a lot of pats on the back that maybe those in a professional environment get. And so you need that escape. You need that time to do yoga. You need that time to to go for a walk. And so it's, I think it's even more critical to be able, because if you are going into an office or you're going to meetings, like you do get a break, not that working mm-hmm. is always easy, but you don't have a child crawling on you, you know, all day, <laughs> every day. 
So I think those moments of silence, those breaks, those reprieves are really important for the mental health of stay-at-home moms. Yeah. Yeah. And taking those with that, like we've talked about, there's no guilt attached to that. None of this, you're not filtering. I would filter that when I was a stay-at-home mom um, with little kids. I would think, well, I'm going to take this time for myself, but now what do people think of me? (laughs) So take that out of there and just be like, I'm taking this time for myself. It's important. Yes. Yeah. You will lose your mind less frequently. I mean, you can't (laughs) bandages. I mean, when you take time for yourself, even if it's 30 minutes to walk around the block, you're more level-headed. You're Mm going to yell at your children less frequently. And so again, self-care has this halo of being so selfish But I guarantee you, I'm a better mother, sister, wife, daughter, friend, human being, because I take time for myself. And before this, I just yelled at my children all the time. And I say and say like a mother, you know, their punishment never fit the crime. I mean, I was like always yelling and they barely did anything wrong, but I was just so on edge and my ego and my identity was so caught up and other people's approval and compliance and (laughs) obedience. Mm -hmm. And that's an exhausting way to be. It is. It is. I think I can see it in my children and even in my spouse, I see what they need for that time and space. I know that they are better people if they have time to exercise, if they eat right, if they get proper sleep, I see that. And I try to make that happen for them. And I'm learning and I really, really feel like I'm just learning that not only do I have to do that for myself, I have to do it with the same care. I do that for them. And it's something I've talked about this recently on the podcast that I've always been pretty good at recognizing that I need rest or exercise or water or whatever it is, but I've never been good at being graceful about it. I feel a lot of guilt and a lot of self, um, like, like I'm self-conscious about it, I guess. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning not to be, cause I'm certainly, I don't feel that way when I offer that to the people I love. Yes. One thing that might help you, Missy, in addition to, you know, put it on the calendar, which then reminds you that that's a priority. But I always say, ask for permission in bulk, you know, go to your children or go to your spouse and say, Hey, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed these days. And if it's okay with you, every other Thursday night, I'm going to go for two hours to a cafe and I'm just going to read my book. And are we good with that? Are we cool? Is that okay if I step away from our commitments and we can work around it? But are we good with that? And everybody goes, of course, mom, you know. (laughs) And so again, it's like you only have to get the courage to do that one time. And you've asked permission for like the next eight weeks because what happens is, We get the courage once and we're like, oh, I'm going to go to a cafe and I'm going to read a self-help book. We do it once and we never do it again Mm -hmm. because then life gets busy. And then we're like, oh, is it okay if I leave for, is it okay? Oh, it's not okay. 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 okay, I'll stay home. And so doing things and asking for permission in bulk can be a really powerful um, permission slip. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I know. That's a fantastic tip that everyone can put into practice right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you know, and like we said, the husbands do it. And my husband, he plays video games with his friends. And this is not a diss of my husband. I love that he does this every Sunday. And it's, you know, a certain block of couple hours it's friends that he's known since high school and people in other countries and it's a really special thing that they all get together and do and i just love it and it's i mean if we're doing yard work 
yard work ends at that time so that he can go in and do that. And it's such a respected block of time. The kids know it. I know it. And we kind of all do our own things and we don't need them during that time. It's awesome. And you know what? I I think it's really special that he does that because I do think that there are a lot of men who don't necessarily do that too. Agreed. They may take the time, but it's not like this really scheduled, intentional, Mm -hmm. hey, Let's kind of family plan this time together so that we know what's going to happen and that you're not expecting me to do something this day. It's transparent. It's yeah, transparent. it's very and transparent. You're not having to be like, oh, 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 is it okay? Oh, oh, oh. You know, yeah. it's it's in bulk and it's and and everybody knows there's no sneak attack of like, I need a lot. I think women like we keep all this bottled up and then we're like, you know, yes. and then all of a sudden it's like. I've got to get away for a month. (laughs) (laughs) I did that last week. I was fine, fine, fine. And then Thursday evening, all of a sudden, like something snapped. Yeah. And I was like, I am going to my room and I will see you all tomorrow. But that wasn't a really graceful way to handle it. I I needed it. (laughs) I took it. But it came out of nowhere. It sort of came out of nowhere to me. And when I was honest with myself, I could think about what led up to that. But it came out of nowhere for them. Yes, that I was everybody came home from school and work and we were all like, hey, it's great. And then all of a sudden I was like, I can't do this today. Can't do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's if I were reactive instead of proactive, like what we're completely talking about is reactive, really proactive about having a breather. Oh, yeah, this is all such good advice. And I really cannot recommend yeah, slay like a mother enough. Such God. great information. And for people who want to learn more from you, do you have any upcoming seminars or where's the best place for people to find you? Um, The best place to find us is on Instagram. You can follow Slay Like a Mother or my handle, which is kwinch, W-I-N-T-S-C-H. And we release upcoming events there on Instagram as they come about. And um, you can also go to slaylikeamother.com and sign up for our biweekly newsletter where I release blog posts and tips and tricks to help you slay what's standing in your way. Wonderful. Oh, so excited for people to learn more. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to do some of our favorite takeaways from the book and we'll put them up on social media or within our uh, Facebook group and also some clips from uh, this podcast because such great, I mean, this is like so much good info. I mean, I, I hate to be like, it's life-changing, but it is, it's life-changing. It is. Um, if you can put some of these processes in place and, and these are not, you don't have to put money into it. It doesn't take more than just kind of this change of mindset or this change of habits of actually doing these things. So, so excited. These are things you could put in place today, today you can do this. Yes. So, okay, now, as we're learning about the book, now we're going to be look, listen, learning some of the stuff that we are doing. I just looked at the clock and we had to like, I know we'll speed, look, listen, learn. (laughs) I'll go fast. But uh, for anybody who this is your first episode listening, thank you for joining. We're so happy to have you here. And the look, listen, learn segment is an opportunity for each of us to talk about some of the favorite things that we've been either watching or reading or listening to or learning about this week. So I will go ahead and jump in so we don't put you on the spot, Catherine, and <laughs> throw the guest under the bus first. Yeah. Um, so the thing I've been listening to is called Storytime with Seth Rogen. And there was an episode called Glorious Bastards, um, where it was the story of how this comedian, tell me if I'm pronouncing this right, Missy, Quinta Brunson? I think so. I don't know if I've ever heard it said out loud, but yeah. 
have seen her and love her. And she's talking about how she had this total sliding doors life pivot moment due to bumping into Paul Rudd at the movie Inglorious Bastards, um, where she was with a boyfriend, where she kind of was making a pivotal decision, like, should this be my boyfriend? Should it not? This path in life. (laughs) And she didn't hook up with Paul Rudd or anything, but (laughs) because, because of some conversations that were had, she made some changes in her life. But then it goes on to interview Paul Rudd and talk about the people who made changes in his life. And it ends up to have this hilarious connection to Dan Wilson, who's the guy who sings that song, Closing Time, which I can't get out of my head now. Do you know that? The Closing Time, you can't... Love it. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, But, and then, yeah. And so it just kind of follows this rabbit hole of people who have influenced the person who influenced you and so on and so on. Um, So it's really fun. It's And anything with Paul Rudd, I mean, really. Um, and I talked about earlier how I am learning. I'm learning how to use Evernote and Trello. So I mentioned Kara Harvey, the purpose-driven mom. I went back and watched some of the videos since we weren't able to go into the Trello tutorial when we were interviewing her. And I mean, she's got tons. Of, it's like an hour long. So it's helpful. There's all kinds of tutorials. So I think I think I can use Evernote for lining up the notes for my book and research for my book. I'm going to use Trello, I think, just for that every category of to-do list that I have because um, I'm doing NaNoWriMo, although the no is standing for nonfiction, not novel. <laughs> so National Nonfiction Writing Month, uh, which is all in November. And in addition to that, I've been, my looking has been looking at new curtains for my office. I just got these. They are like the color of the sun practically there, but they were cheap and they're fine. Um, so I'm going to put them up on my office doorways since my office has two doorways that don't have doors in them um, to be a signal to the world. And also just to kind of, we were talking about those horse blinders. I feel like I have this peripheral vision of anybody who comes through the kitchen that I can see and whatever. So I'm going to put those up. Um, Brilliant. And I might steal it because I I have the same kind of room with the two open doorways. And I don't really want the expense of putting in doors. We've talked about it, but I don't really want to spend the money there right now. Yeah. So, so this is like curtains. all in with the curtain rod and the curtains is going to be under a hundred bucks and I am claiming wow. my space. Yeah. Like I said, they're not gorgeous, but the, I mean, I'm, I'm more of just like, this is proof of concept at this point. Yeah. Maybe if this tends, if this works, then I'll be like, okay, maybe I'll, you know, hit Pottery Barn or something instead of Amazon. Well, but plus that would soften the room sound wise. Like if we decide we want to record we just, in our yes. offices. Yes. So yes, that oh, is what I've thinking. been look, listen, learning. What about you, Catherine? Um, I'll say for looking, I've been looking at sex differently. I just finished um, binging on Netflix, Gwyneth Paltrow's a series called Sex, Love, and Goop. And it's really profound about how we have been... Um, you know, just indoctrinated into the way that sex is supposed to be and different roles. And it follows like six different couples through various different like sex therapy. It's just fascinating. And, you know, I hate that I'm 44 and I'm just learning about, um, I don't know, just a lot of different and it's very vulnerable and kind of cringeworthy at times. And I just love it. I just love people being vulnerable. So that's what I've been looking at. Um, learning, I am still always learning about myself and, um, my own journey. And I'm reading a book right now called Welcome Home by Najwa Zabian. She's a woman from Lebanon 
And it's the most amazing metaphor. It's about how you build a home for your soul inside of yourself instead of inside of other people. And the metaphor is so profound to me that when you put your soul in other people's homes and other people's hands, that you can feel spiritually homeless, which oh. is exactly how I felt for 20 years of my life. And so I'm still learning about, you know, building this home for my spirit and myself. And so that's been really mind blowing. And then listening, I have been listening to a book called um, Unbound by Tarana Burke. And mm -hmm. she is a black woman who is the original founder of the Me Too movement. Yes. And it has been really eye-opening to learn about the lived experience of people who have experienced sexual violence and particularly in the Black community. And I have really welcomed learning about experiences that are different than mine. And I'm um, always trying to look, listen, and learn about, you know, other lived experiences. So that's a phenomenal book, too. Oh, you might enjoy it. She was just on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast, the Glennon Doyle yeah. podcast. Just see that. Yes. Yeah. It's all preview for it. I need to make a note. I need to go back. Yeah. And really, really good. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. What about you, Missy? Okay. I don't want to follow that. <laughs> I know. I'll just go today. I have some really deep things to share with y'all today. Yeah. Where's it better than <laughs> curtains? Because. For sex. <laughs> <laughs> so first I meant to bring the product in here and I did not, but Suzanne and I were talking about it before the show. I got a new hair product called do over D O O over. And it's by Kevin Murphy. I love Kevin Murphy products. Yes. And they all smell good. And they're mm -hmm. all like the packaging is pretty. They just, they hit all the right. They do. Buttons. But I got this product. Um, I got my hair trimmed yesterday. And so I have like freshly trimmed hair, which always acts a little differently than after it's been washed and the ends right now, like all used to be middles. And so they don't know what to do with themselves because <laughs> now they're ends. And so I woke up this morning, I was telling Suzanne, I was getting a really strong leather Tuscadero vibe out of my hair. And I, I don't know <laughs> if it's really doing it today, but then we started talking about, just stay with me here. There's a point. So when I was a child, I was obsessed with happy days, obsessed, still really kind of love it. Um, but leather Tuscadero was one of my favorites and I just yeah. thought she was the coolest. I was trying to remember the hand move. Like she does this. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> okay. snap a... <laughs> We're to so watch the YouTube old. if you want to see us doing it. We're so um, old. But I thought she was so cool and I wanted to be leather. And, and my other favorite character, not on happy days at that time was Flo from Alice on, and who worked in Mel's diner. And so I've been trying to figure out just just this morning and talking to Suzanne, like, what is it about those two women who appealed to me so much? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is they both just said what they needed to say. And they were very unapologetic about who they were. Yep. And I think that appealed to me as a very small child. And I think it still appeals to me now. So I think my roundabout learn is, Hey, there's this good hair product that kind of is a dry shampoo slash hairspray that works with day two bedhead. But the other thing I'm learning is that kind of cool to go back and think about what has impacted you in your life, even if it's something as fluffy as a TV character and why, why that spoke to you. So that's my kind of silly learn. That um, is deep. It got kind of deep there from did. do over hair spray to. <laughs> you brought it full circle. <laughs> you know. of your identity. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to think about it. I really like, I think I'm going to write about it and try to figure out there's got to be more there. And I just haven't worked my way around it yet. Um, but my look, and then I'll wrap it up. I have a listen I'll share next time, but my look, uh, I watched the way down documentary about Gwen Shamblin, Lara. Did have either of you watched that? I haven't. I haven't heard of that. It's a very sad story. Really? She died this past year in a plane crash, but her, it's also just crazy. She's one of the founders of a cult church in Tennessee called the remnant or the remnant fellowship, I think. And she founded this weight loss program called the way down, like W E I G H way down. I don't think um, I'm going to documentary is the way down W A Y. I'm not sure why, um, <laughs> but that's the name of the documentary, but the weight loss program was the way down as in weight. And, um, she's a very interesting character and I have thought about it a lot. I also watched some of what Suzanne recommended that, uh, midnight mass oh dear. show, which is also has sort of a culty vibe. That's not, let's put recommended in quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely do not watch while eating. That's so gross. <laughs> so I just have been thinking a lot about cults. I'm fascinated by that. And again, I'd like to know why, but religion and how it gets all twisted up and all these crazy ideas and this remnant fellowship is still I mean it's still going her children are running it and it's sort of bananas I recommend giving that a watch it's not very long and you can spend the whole time going what (laughs) (laughs) I picture that being my face through a lot of yeah I mean my my face the whole time was like Oh my goodness. Oh, that's pretty solid. We had like a nice variety pack there in the look yeah, list. You can get whatever like you need. That. Pick your poison. <laughs> I know. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, this was so much fun and so I, wonderful to meet you. Hopefully there's some people watching on YouTube. Most of our people are listeners and not the watchers, but uh, if you can see the book here, Slay Like a Mother. And yeah, it's it's just so good. It's so good. I get, I could go for a whole week just talking about all the different lessons. Cause I mean, it just gets to the heart of before you can do anything else, you need to shut down that dragon voice and the mean girl in your head and figure out who you are so you can just make all the rest of the steps intentionally. So yeah, I mean, step do one it. here, <laughs> if you're getting your stuff together, start here. Oh, so, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk with us. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Well, thank you for having thank me. It was so fun. It was fun. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.